0: black tech green money december 2020 episode 12 i'm talking to courtney adeleye founder at the main choice about how to find a bag in consumer packaged goods and the real deal with how hard you have to go how many hours you have to put in and how hard you have to work to really find success courtney has found a ton of success in the beauty and wellness space so i wanted to know are operators of wellness and beauty products not all but in general are they going as hard as she believes they need to to find similar success
1: um generally speaking do i think they go hard enough i would i would have to unfortunately i would have to say no i think for some reason people think that when you operate on an average level or if you're able to excel um, by just giving average, I think sometimes people think that's enough. Mm. But in order to really scale something and take it to the next level, it is going to require blood, sweat, and tears that I've come to the conclusion most people are not willing willing to do, you know, or they think that giving normal or average is okay. And it's not.
0: What are some of those mistakes that people cut corners on that keep them from? Like, what are some of the typical things you see?
1: Some of the typical things, uh, just the initiative, you know, when I say you have to layer things on, I mean, you have to be from a social perspective. You have to be, you know, you have to put yourself out there from a personal perspective, run your personal social media as if it was a business with Mm. strategy and timing and win and professionalism. And then on the flip side, you have the business, you have to do the exact same way. So there's a lot of bells and whistles that goes along with it that can be achieved, but you just can't cut corners in regards to like the time It's 24 hours a day. I have never, since I've been in business, put a do not disturb, I'm out of town (laughs) on my email, you know what I mean? I just never have. I'm going to respond to it or, you know, I'm going to get to it a little bit later, but it's it's just non-stop, it's always, it's continuous.
0: I'm Will Lucas, Mrs. Black Tech, Green Money. I'm gonna introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds, and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Tanya Sam is a tech-savvy businesswoman and director of partnerships at TechSquare Labs, an Atlanta-based technology startup hub and venture capital fund. She also starred in The Real Housewives of Atlanta. She's got a new show out called Money Moves, where she talks with people, celebrities, and more about how they're building generational wealth. I asked Tanya, you know what? You've seen a lot of celebrities. You are a celebrity, and you've seen a lot of celebrities. You've hung out with them there are some celebrities who aren't really making any money. Why is that? What's common among those who have the profile but aren't seeing the financial reward?
2: Oh man, I mean, this happens so much, Will. It's really quite incredible. And we've all heard the stories, right? They're the richest of the rich and they're broke overnight. Um, Now that I've interviewed enough of those people, I can kind of break it down for you. And I think I can say this with some anecdotal evidence and confidence. A lot of it is the people you have around you. Um, you know, not having trusted financial advisors, people who really know their stuff. If you don't know about money and you don't know how to make the correct moves, if you don't know what a tax account, a CPA, your, your legal team does, find people that you really trust that are experienced. And sometimes it's not your homeboy, you know, always look at it as you're building like the Olympic team. So find people that are way smarter than you and that come with real personal references. I think that's one thing. Um, I'll say another is spending too fast, right? Like my dad always used to talk about, you know, never cut your coat from the cloth you don't have. Like this idea of credit and trying to keep up with the Joneses, especially in our community, especially now in this era of social media. Like it happens a lot. It happens a lot, a lot, a lot. And you just you outspend yourself.
0: I want to talk about this team thing because i was actually going to talk to you about team and like what kind of people Mm -hmm. should be around you and you talked about you know it doesn't need to be your cousin ray ray who's you know managing he had an idea maybe he took a financial class in college and now he feels qualified to manage your bag and so for people who because there are there are two different types of people there's people who really making money who listen to this show and there are people who are trying to get there who are listening to this show so well, you know, it's
2: hard, especially in our community, sorry, Will, like, because we always want to bring up our, we want to make money so that we can help bring up yeah. our families yes. and bring up the people <laughs> around us who were there from the beginning, right? And it's a really fine line, because I believe in that, right? You know, I mean, I hate to use an example, but look at the, like, most famous TV family of, like, the Kardashians, right? They're all working and hustling and grinding, you know, run by their the the momager, However, sometimes the people around you don't have the background and the knowledge, the expertise, the years of experience to take you to the next level. Um, and you got to be really careful with that.
0: So if you go in for, for people who are making money, can you describe mm-hmm. who they need on their team that's qualified, certified? How do you vet those people? What, what kind of things do you recommend and things that you've seen done to make sure that you've got yep. the right people around?
2: look to people who have more money than you, because the next level up that you get to is a whole different story, right? You know, when I was working as a nurse, um, you know, I'd love some overtime, I was grinding, I was trying to make all the money I could, because, you know, that type of industry, you're paid by the hour. You, You can't make money when you sleep. So the people around me, I'd be like, okay, who are the people who are in my profession that were making money, saving money, and doing the right thing? So when you get to the next level, entrepreneurship, whether you're investing, whatever it is, you need to really surround yourself and look up and find people that have done it for longer than you and successfully. And know, you know, and you have to be able to look through and look past the facade. And this is the tough part. So, like, you've got to do your research. You have to go. And when you're interviewing, for example, you ask, who are the people on the team? A lawyer. You need a good lawyer. You need a good lawyer to look at your contracts. You need a good lawyer who knows the legalese, you know, that is going to sit down and the joy they get every night from reading through tons and tons of legal contracts will save you tons and tons of money. Um, it's not the person that, you know, is got the little shop on the corner. That's like a hit and run lawyer. Cause they're not in your industry. So you have to find someone industry specific and that might mean you need multiple lawyers. Mm-hmm. You might need someone who's a business lawyer, someone who's, who's like a litigation lawyer, like someone who's a real estate lawyer, but like go do the deep dive to find those people. Um, a bookkeeper. I think the best thing is a bookkeeper. This is different than your CPA, but that person who every month, if you don't like, and I hate doing this type of work. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I know what I hate, but finding that person that you pay every month to go through line by line of all your spending so that you can tell if, let's say your manager friend was like, oh, by the way, we rented two Ferraris instead of one. Yeah, yeah. Like. That stuff happens. Um, And then also like a CPA is also really important, like nobody wants to go to jail for not doing their taxes, but we hear that story in entertainment all the time. Oh, they just didn't file. I thought they were doing it. That's what I was paying them to do. Um, So get someone who's super trusted in that area as well.
0: Do you find that making money is a lot like dieting? Like we know what to do, we just don't do it? Or do we really not know?
2: Ooh, that's a good analogy. Um, no. I think that making money, you know, I think the perspective we have on money is really interesting. And I feel like it's my relationship with money has changed over the past couple of years. I've watched a lot of entrepreneurs who are so smart. The people who make the most money believe they are gonna make a lot of money. Like they don't have this idea where money making money is hard. They don't think like, oh, okay, I'm not the one that's... Gonna be. If you ask them, they've always had this really incredible mindset that they're gonna win and they're gonna make all the money. So get, I understand your question, but I wanna say that because I've sat in front of some of the smartest, most wealthiest, and I mean, I'm not talking like Instagram wealthy. Yeah. I've been in rooms with people and I've interviewed them that have Billions, You know, I've been in rooms with people who are leaving billions to their family that couldn't even spend the amount of money that were like, oh, I bought a boat. It was 15 million just yesterday because I got bored during COVID, like wealth, y'all, wealth. <laughs> and that's like what is so important to me to have these conversations, like very straightforward at Greenwood about building generational wealth. And their mindset is like nothing can stop me now, right? And they do that every day and they put in the work. So when you talk about dieting, everyone's like, I have a cheat day, I have this, I diet like for six hours a day. Like the true generational wealth mindset is very different. It doesn't sleep. That whole idea that these billionaires are on a boat and they're not sleeping and their money's working for them. They cannot help but just get out there and want to make money every hour, every minute. That doesn't mean they don't live a fabulous life, but it's, it's, it's extraordinary. And it, I do think it's in all of us. It's just a switch.
0: Yeah. Because I, I want to go into, because that's so interesting to me that you say that, because it's not until, you know, people who made a boatload of money, will they say, well, you should be able to rest and you should be able to sleep. And, but like when they were trying to make it, they probably weren't resting. They probably weren't sleeping, no. you know? And so talk to no. me about what is, in, from your perspective, The attitude that you should have if you're trying to find your way through generational curses of poverty and, you know, whatever it is, how hard should I be going? Because there is this notion that, you know, we'll take it easy. Like, you you don't have to put so much stress on yourself. But I'm an entrepreneur, like, I'm constantly (laughs) stressed. So I wonder, like, is that is that how it just how it is?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I think here's the thing that I love about it so much, especially for black people and people of color. Our, our gut and ability to hustle and hustle hard, our grit, our tenacity to build things from nothing is like unbeatable, unbeatable. Yeah, we have to shed years of oppression and redlining and all these things that have been designed to keep us down. But like, we're built for this. We are built for this. And I mean, it's exactly that. I don't think that if we are, I mean, I don't deny the fact that in a lot of cases we are coming from behind, so that means we have to work twice as hard, but I say again, we're built for it. And that's the whole notion of like, okay, you know, I the four-hour work week, okay. It works for some people, but I think for most of us, you know, like that are coming from different backgrounds, you're right, generations where like some of us are, are forefathers and grandparents literally picked cotton
1: yeah we just yeah.
2: got to keep grinding and working at 100x like coming up with ideas how do i change the world how is this how can i get customers how can i make you know convert five customers to ten before lunch
0: you goodness you're making me think about so many things and you, right now i'm thinking yeah. about like this like this dave ramsey philosophy and so i wonder like for me like the dave ramsey way of managing money doesn't work for entrepreneurs. You know this idea of you know well let's just pay down all the debt and be debt free like that may not be the best path for somebody who's trying to build something you may need to take out a loan or to get some capital or bring in investors or etc yeah and you know i do I, I i see the part of where maybe you should drive the 96 honda for two more years while you're building it that part i get but the part about not taking on any other debt may not be the best thing so i wonder and I'm gonna let you speak to that, what your thoughts are, but I wonder, is there a different mentality employees should have about ge- generating wealth versus entrepreneurs?
2: So, for my, first of all, I think that scared money doesn't make any, I'll try and say it as nice, scared money doesn't make no money, right? <laughs> and so we always have to invest in ourselves. And at some point, you are going to need extra capital to grow and scale your business, depending on the type of business you want, right? There's some businesses that are just fine being a lifestyle business, you know, your ins cover your outs and you can make a little bit of slow growth. But for the big bet entrepreneurs, they know they're gonna have to raise capital because scale is key, scale is king. And there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, You know, whether it's venture capital, whether it's debt equity capital, like, those there's a lot of different ways to do it. I think for the ab- average early stage entrepreneur, or let's say the person who's an employee and trying to branch out and start their own business, I think it's a little bit of both. The problem happens where I think people get confused about when to get money.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think you have to slow walk into proving your proof of concept. I don't think any person, because I think also most people are moonlighting They're starting a business. If they're moonlighting, if they're trying to build their own dreams, so I think you have to prove your concept first. And I feel like the best money any early stage entrepreneur or someone who's working both jobs can get is revenue first. And this is the hard thing because everyone's like, "Well, where am I? What comes first, the chicken or the egg?" Um, But I think you got to prove that first—that someone's going to be willing to pay for whatever you're selling, whatever you're pushing, whatever you're building first—and then the money sort of comes after that. It's not easy. It's never easy, but it's kind of like that really beautiful dance.
0: Yeah. And so you, you, does that make sense? No, it it makes sense to me. Um, You, you talked about a little bit, you were an RN and, well, you're still an RN, but you used to practice, you know, um, being a nurse. Yeah. And knowing what what you know about technology and scale today, looking back at that tenure and the tenures that are still Mm -hmm. out there doing that. How could you have better leveraged your time or output in order to make more money?
2: Oh man. Um, I think what's really interesting about what's happening in nursing and medicine, et cetera, especially in nursing tech, I mean, it's really about looking at whatever you're good at. Everyone has a superpower. My superpower was nursing at the time. I was really good at it. I loved people. I loved. The fast pace of it, but also there were things that every day that I complained about nursing burnout, nursing schedule, you know, all these things. And having that mindset of going, How can I solve that? It never occurred to me because I went to school to be a nurse. I had a dad who was a doctor, he practiced for like over 50 years. That mindset that was sort of passed down to us in my family was like, You go to school, you get a job, and you do that job until you die.
1: Yeah. It wasn't.
2: I didn't come from an entrepreneurship family. Like my dad might have like done some little deal, but it wasn't about being an entrepreneur. And sort of peeling back that lens and looking at whatever it is you do, you could be a teacher, you could be this. There's so many different avenues where you can change the face of what you do because you have all this knowledge that's only inherent to you that you can apply to fixing a problem in that industry.
0: You you mentioned this about the moonlighting you talked about, and just because you want to Mm -hmm. build wealth doesn't mean you need to quit nursing. And so I wonder, like, what are your thoughts on how to invest that money while you're nursing? Like, what should you be doing?
2: Oh, well, I'll tell you a story. So when I um, was working as a nurse, I worked in bone marrow transplant, oncology, and I mean, it's 12 hour shifts all the way. And, but I decided I wanted, I, I kept complaining about like, oh my gosh, we come to coffee and with all these super smart doctors and nurses, sorry, we come to work and we drink coffee, like it's going to help us be better or smarter. Like we use our brains every day. And then you'd look in other professions like sports and they have power drinks. You would look at like Red Bull at the time and it was like a party drink. It helped you do whatever you wanted to do better. So I was like, we need something that's for us. And around that time, like I started meeting all these people in technology who were like popping Adderall and all sorts of crazy things. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem like the right answer. So I made my own. Brain beverage. It was called Limitless Smart Shot. I went back to my days in this, yeah. undergrad where I, yeah, yep. And it was designed to increase your focus, attention and memory. I put all these like dietary supplements that weren't drugs, but also helped promote healthy brain function into a two ounce bottle. And I started shooting that before I went to work. And I started selling it to my friends. And I started selling it to people who wanted to be, who needed to use their brain and needed a brain boost. So I was doing that. Day and night, day and night, day and night. And I started making money. And I mean, it was hard. I was schlepping this thing to corner stores, being like, Will you buy this? Can you put a box here? I'll come back and pick up the proceeds. Like, and then I'd go to work overnight. I'd sleep for four hours. I'd come back, you know. But it got to the point where I had to decide because I'd be in the med room on the phone trying to talk to a distributor or a supplier. And there'd be a code blue. And I'd be like, I gotta go. Yeah. So yeah. I couldn't do both and I had to reach the point where at some point I was like okay, I'm making some money, people like this, I've got traction, can I quit my job to do this? And I quit. And it wow. was super scary <laughs> but I think it's just oh yeah and I actually it's it does make me sad now because I have not gone back to nursing that company is not still alive like you know it went and went and went and then it's got a small small acquisition like it was nothing that I could retire to and be you know I was like okay I got to do it again because I learned so much I'm so much better I am better now so the next time I do it the next thing I do
0: I'm gonna apply all that knowledge oh I love it. so I don't call that a failure. I don't know if you call that a failure, but like that, having that, having taken that jump, I have so many conversations with entrepreneurs who are afraid to like, okay, they're making a little bit of money, but I'm at a point where I got to quit or I got to do this. One of the two, what was the calculus you went through that says, okay, I'm going to take this leap versus, you know what? It's not making enough. So I'm going to stick with the safe thing.
2: I just, you know, again, it goes back to like your, your customers, your people, your business will lead you. People liked it. People were like, you know, and it's funny, I kept finding all these other customer segments that I never thought, and it just kept surprising me. And I really liked it. It was scary. I cried almost every day. Like, I promise you, I cried all the time. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is ridiculous. Why would I do this? It was not the funnest time, but it was the greatest time. Entrepreneur is, is not always fun. Like I really struggled through it because I was like, man, I put all my dollar, I got to sell all these bottles, like everything's in here. Um, and I, yeah, I, I knew I had nursing to fall back on, but I sometimes I'd have days where I was like, essentially I wipe butts for a living. I got to do something else.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was listening to this podcast, This other, it was a YouTube podcast that, that you were on and you were talking about why you did Real Housewives of Atlanta. And you were talking about there wasn't a representation of a black tech couple in the mainstream. And I wonder if you can dig into that, number one, what came out of that aim for representation, more representation for you guys, and how have you guys supported each other Um, when you talk about, you know, he wants to do something and you got his back, and you want to do something? He's got your back because because there are couples who listen to this and couples who are trying to build things together. Yeah. And they want to like, how do we do this thing? We're both out here about to quit our jobs, and we're both about to uh, get out here and try to build wealth. How how do you guys do it?
2: Oh my gosh, that's a great question. I mean, you know. I will say I obviously learned so much by being with like a truly visionary entrepreneur. We've been together for over 11 years and, you know, shout out Paul Judge. There's not a lot of people like that because to be with someone who truly want, will take risks and is not afraid to take risks, I've learned a lot. I'm so much more, less risk adverse. So when Housewives of Atlanta came along, You know it was one of those things where we'd been at that point um i'd helped him build several companies at that at at that time and we'd go into all these rooms all over the world where folks would be like oh my gosh you're black you're from atlanta you look like you have a little bit of money do you know the housewives and that was it like i mean black white every room people would ask us that all the time and it was very i felt like a little bit of a myopic view of what atlanta was at that time like atlanta is so diverse it's diverse amongst its black people it's diverse amongst everybody in there and so i was like okay let's just try this and i wanted to be able to show like a black couple working in tech we weren't just these tokens there was more of us out there um and sort of show that, not just in the Black community. It was really important to me to show it in the Black community, but also to the world. And it was definitely a crazy ride. Um, But it was one of those things where, you know, Paul was actually one of the first people to be like, you got to do this. And I was like, what? No, I don't know how to read people. Like, I'm going to, they're going to eat me up on show. And he was <laughs> like, nope, YOLO, let's go. And I was like, OK. And there, I mean, yeah, so he's, I think, taught me so much about taking chances, supporting your partner, um, and, you know, just one life to live. we got to try all the shots, shoot them, all of them.
0: So do you hope that, or have you seen, you know, feedback from people who've watched you guys that were inspired by your story? And, Mm. you know, like, tell me how that output, that, that outcome. Best thing ever. Yeah.
2: Best, I mean, from... I would say the first, I was on it three seasons, um, from even now to this day, I'll get messages. And what, what I really, I mean, the thing, the show is the show. They don't show all the great stuff. You know, they don't show how much you do in tech. You know, they don't show the um, ambition fund, uh, you know, gift investments that we did, that I did and stuff. But if people started to follow me and I would get messages all the time, I live in, Iowa. I'm the only black woman working at a SaaS company in this company. And I'm so grateful for you to be on the show, because I see a piece of myself I would get messages from dads who were like, I watch this show now with my daughter. And we're so excited because now she sees on TV, a black woman who's in tech and it's cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. And
2: we just don't have enough of that representation. Like, tell me the show. I mean, when we look at our TV shows now that people watch, it's blackish and it's a doctor. Right, and that resonates. I mean, it was Bill Cosby when I was a kid. But like, where are just you know black people out there grinding that aren't in entertainment? And for us, like, that means a lot. Like, someone came up to me yesterday at Papa Do's and said the same thing with their kids, and like, I cry. It, that means a lot to me. Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, we talked a little bit about your transition from being R N to you know a businesswoman, and. You know, you, you just self describe, you know, tech savvy businesswoman. And when we talk about like the nurses or people who just work jobs, you know, it's not just in the medical field, but people who could leverage technology. Because what I try to do is just dismantle the idea that you have to learn how to code in order to leverage technology. Mm-hmm. And so when you say not not that you shouldn't, if you could do that, you should. Um, but when you say tech savvy businesswoman. You know, I don't want to say that you don't know how to code, I don't know if you know how to code, but I like how it's positioned as tech savvy because you're leveraging technology to do what you do better. Yes. So, you, like you want to say something? So I love this question,
2: yeah. Will. No, I love this question because I often feel a lot of people message me, they'll say, I'm a nurse, I'm this, I'm a physical therapist and I want to get into tech. And for a long time, I feel like that's been a huge barrier because in order to be in technology, everyone thought they needed to code. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, so they don't even start. They don't even start. Everyone thought, you, oh, if you wanna work at a tech company, you're, you're already not qualified. So I will, I will caveat that by saying, te- learning to code right now is easier than it's ever been. There's free courses online from Udemy to all sorts of things. So I did that. I don't think I'm tech savvy. I could probably, and there's, you know, but I learned rudimentary coding. So I at least had an idea of how they thought. Part two, I think that when people are looking at getting into technology, I think every business we're building right now is a tech company, whether or not you're selling cupcakes on a website out of your basement. If you are building a business right now, you need to look at it like it is a tech company because that's just the way the world's going and like some of the most favorite Um, Some of my favorite, you know, technology evangelists and entrepreneurs that are so successful, like there's this quote that is just, software is eating the world. And I mean, it's factual. It's from the way we order our food to how we travel. So, what you were building now is a tech company, and there's so many areas in which those tech companies need people, whether it's marketing, operations, business development, sales. So, there's a way in for everyone. I mean, and if it's, if you're good, I look at, do you ever go to the mall and look at those people who were like, Hey, would you like to try this sample of hand cream? And they're so good. And by the, you can't walk away. And all of a sudden you have this ridiculous, I was like, you should be in sales. Why are you here? So you just have to get in where you can. And there is a place for everyone, whether you're black, you're a woman, you're a nurse, you're a mom, there's a place for everyone. You just have to find your, your get in.
0: So tell me about this show, Money Moves. Tell, I'm going yes. to give you the floor. So just describe it for me and then tell us where we can find it, where we can subscribe, all that.
2: Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm so excited. So Money Moves is a subsidiary of... Greenwood Bank, and you know, I don't know how many of your listeners know about Greenwood, but um, we Greenwood was founded by Black and Brown co-founders during the pandemic, and it is a digital online bank. Really, really something that we are truly, truly passionate about because, um, you know, I think for many of us, we're trying to bridge access and wealth gaps, via initiatives and solutions that promote financial inclusion and wellness for all, and again, create generational wealth in our communities. So Money Moves is a podcast on there. It's a daily podcast. It's in partnership with iHeart Media. It's available on all iHeart Radio apps and major streaming platforms. We promote financial literacy and empowerment in the next generation of minority entrepreneurs we have celebrity guest experts and and you know everybody ranging from Pinky Cole to Kim Blackwell to, you know, ja Rule Rules on the next segment. um Rick Ross, like some really incredible, incredible people. And they tell their stories, some good, some bad. Um, and we also try to have, like, I'm really big on not just woo, woo rah, rah, I did it, I'm here, follow me sort of things. Like, it's really important to me to give people actual hands-on financial tips, expertise, and ways to do it. Um, So if you follow this season, we're just launching a crypto school because I am super passionate about what's happening in the cryptocurrency space, the metaverse, and NFTs. So we have some really smart people that are in conversation with me talking about how you can get into crypto how you can make great investments. Um, so I just implore you guys, tune in, tune in. It's a really great time.
0: Black Tech Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan Debon and me, Will Lucas With additional production support by Love Beach And Marissa Lewis Special thank you to Micah Davis Jermaine Hall and Sakara Savagnon You know like the wine Yes that's his real name Learn more about my guests and other tech Disruptors and innovators at Afrotech.com And the video version of this episode will drop to Blavity TV So tap in Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a 5 star rating on iTunes Go get your money peace and love